John chapter 1, starting in verse 1 and reading through to verse 14, we read these words. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light... But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightened every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I would venture as you go through the Christmas season, it is not uncommon to hear people read from Luke and, and, and talk about all the things that happened around the birth announcement and the birth of John. And then we get the story that we've heard so many times before about that all begins with this census that was being taken. We hear the stories from Matthew, probably not as much as we hear the stories of Luke 1 and 2. And, and in Matthew, we, we learn about what kind of Joseph's side of the story was and, and, and kind of how he came to, to keep Mary with him, even though he found her with child, even though they'd not been together. And, and, and all the story that goes with that. And then that, of course, leads into the story of the Magi. We could even go on from here and we hear the stories about when Jesus was presented at the temple and, and he was presented to be circumcised and the turtle doves were offered and, and all that went with that. And we're used to hearing these stories about Christmas, but you probably not very often have someone dive into First John or John 1, excuse me, there's a difference. And yet, as we read this passage this morning, I hope you can see this is every bit as much a, a Christmas account as the rest. See, all the other ones, when we look at Luke and when we look at Matthew, they tell us kind of what happened, how it happened, how everything went down. But John, as he was writing, certainly much later in life, and, and he undoubtedly probably had heard these stories passed around. Maybe he had at some point had read a Matthew or met, read a Luke. We don't really know. And John, he, you know, he knew what Gospels were out there, and he said, you know, I knew Jesus. In fact, we see that in the passage. That's one of my favorite parts of this passage when he says, and we were witnesses of this that says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. 
See, John is not talking about this as this is a story that I heard from interviewing Mary or this is a story I heard from some of the other disciples. He's saying, hey, I knew Jesus. I saw His glory. I know who He is and therefore I have something I want to tell you. Let me tell you why it's so important that Jesus dwelt among us. And I love how this passage starts because John starts the exact same way Genesis 1 starts. He says, hold on, before we talk about mangers or before we talk about wise men or before we talk about shepherds in a field, which he doesn't even get to, he says, let's go back to the beginning. And he uses the exact same words that are used in Genesis 1.1. And, and make no mistake, this is not an accident when he says, in the beginning. Well, turn back in your Bible if you've got one or if you've got your phone open. Go back to Genesis 1.1 and it says, if you look there, it says, in the beginning, what? God. Thank you, Randy. He says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. It's the best amen I've gotten in two months. But John begins this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word. Well, now wait a second. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. And John is saying, yes, in the beginning was the Word. And as we continue on, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We can go back to the original language, and it actually says, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. They work back and forth. And so we start to begin to think, now wait a second. Something really big is happening. We could continue on in Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, what does John 1 says? It says all those things. And then it says, all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. John is, is not being subtle at all. He is saying, this one who I know, whose glory I beheld, he is not just a prophet. He is not just an elevated person. He is not just some sort of like, like demigod or special angel. He's saying, the one whose glory I beheld is the one who created, is the one who spoke into the darkness, let there be light, and there was light. For the one who said, and let the, the, the waters teem with living things, and it was the one who had birds flying in the air, and everything that creeped and crawled on the ground, he spoke into existence. In fact, we could keep going and it says that in Him was life and the life was the light of men. Again, we can look at Genesis. And both as He, as he created all the, the creatures and all the living things, whether it was the fish in the water, the birds in the air, or all that creeped on the ground. And it says, even of man, and He breathed His breath into them and they became a living being. Everything that Genesis says God did, John is saying 
the Word did. There is no question that as we jump down to verse 14 when it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that John is making the statement that God, God the Son, put on flesh and dwelt among us. This brings whole new weight to the statement that we read in Matthew chapter 1 just a few moments ago when it says that you'll call Him Jesus or He'll save His people from His sins. And then it says this was all done to fulfill what was said by the prophet that behold, the virgin shall be with child and they shall name Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, what happened? It says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He said, the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jumping down a few verses, it says, the light was the true light coming into the world, enlightening every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. Now, we see this in the story of Scripture, don't we? Christ came into the world. He was born into the very thing that He created, the very thing that He brought into existence, and nothing around Him would have existed had not He brought it into existence. And yet, the world did not recognize who He was. Now, maybe that's because that's not what we would expect the Creator of the heavens and the earth to look like when He showed up. I don't think any of us would have predicted if we had knew nothing like we know today and just were blankly said, if God were to show up and you could see Him and you could behold His glory, what would He come like? What would it be like? And we would all picture uh, trumpets and angels and, the, and the, the, the sky tearing open and stars falling and, and, and all sorts of amazing, awesome, wonderful things. And yet what we got was a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. He came to us. He came to creation, and creation did not recognize it. He came to humanity. And when we think about what happened, and, and certainly there were some who, who recognized who He was, and, and we see as the Magi show up from the east, and, the, and, and they say, where is He who was born King of the Jews? And they go, and they give gifts, and they worship Him. But notice what happens to the other people in Jerusalem. See, the Magi show up and they come in and they say, hey, we heard your king is here and we want to worship him. And everyone else in Jerusalem, did they go, hooray! Did everybody start saying, pack your bags, the king is in Bethlehem, let's go! No, it says that when news got around Jerusalem, everybody was upset. It created an emotion of fear and terror. And what I find so fascinating is you have someone like Herod, and Herod's the only one we really hear about. 
But not one single person from Jerusalem that we know about went with the Magi. That's crazy to think about. They had heard the good news. They had the Scriptures. And yet they stayed home. Now this would be surprising if not for what we do today. And we have the good news. We've heard it. We have the Scriptures. And I'm not talking about you, obviously, in this room. I know I'm preaching to the choir today, quite literally. But so many people have the good news. They have the Scriptures. And yet when it comes time to follow Jesus, to worship Jesus, to glorify the name of our King, they stay home. Indeed, 1 John says, the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. See, I think John is, is, is setting up the scene. One of those great literary devices is called foreshadowing, where you give hints about what's going to happen. You ever watch a show and, and you're, you're, you know, and you guys are probably aware about foreshadowing. Maybe you read a book if people still do that. I don't know. Um, if you're watching a show or you're reading a book and then someone says something and whatever it is they say, you go, oh man, that means they're going to die. You ever done that? I do that. I'll get really invested in the character and the character will be like, I just want to see my wife one last time. And I'm like, ah, oh, just turn it off. I don't want to watch that guy die. I hate that. Ask my wife. I do. I hate it. There are shows that I like loved and I never watched again because I was like, no, no, that person's going to die and I can't emotionally handle that. I can't do that. And when we look at the Scripture here, I think that's what John's doing. He's saying John that, that Jesus came into the world and the world did not receive Him, that He went to His own and His own did not receive Him. He's letting us know that what is going to happen is this Jesus is come, has come into the world that God has put on flesh and He is going to speak the truth, that He is going to enlighten people about what the truth is. He is going to show them what it means to follow the Lord and His own people are going to reject Him. And if you haven't read the story, that's exactly what happens. As we go on into even just the book of John, we see how he speaks the truth and he says amazing and wonderful things. He says to Nicodemus that, that, that he must be born again. He, he goes to the woman at the well and says, and, and says that the day will come when we will worship in spirit and in truth. And, and he reveals himself as the Messiah. He sees the woman caught in adultery and, and he, he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And when no one can do it, he says, where are your condemners? He says, she says they've left. And he goes, then I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He says, wonderful, truthful, sometimes hard things but his own would reject him. And they would, his own would betray him. And his own would send him to the cross. But he wouldn't, but he wouldn't stay on the cross. 
And I love, uh, and you guys know this about me already, I love the word but in the Bible. I love it when I am reading through Scripture and you get bad news like this one, and those who were His own did not receive Him but. But as many as have received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. And see, this answers that big question for us this morning of why. Why did heaven come down? Why did Jesus, God in the flesh, who had equality with God and yet did not regard equality with God as something to hold on to, but rather poured Himself, emptied Himself out into the person of sinful man, being obedient to the Father even to death, death on the cross. He did it for this very reason, so that those who give their lives to Him, so that as many as those who believe Him and receive Him, that they would get the right to become children of God. See, the best part about all of this is he says, the world did not know him. His own would not receive him. He would be taken. He would be betrayed. He would be handed over. He would be nailed to a cross. He would die on that cross. He would go into a tomb. They would seal that tomb. And yet Jesus would raise from the grave... And He would ascend to the Father so that not only your sins might be forgiven, but that you might become a child of God. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Because the moment that Jesus let out His first cry, there was nothing that we could do There was nothing that the enemy could do. There was nothing that his enemies could do in that life to stop him from accomplishing his goal. Satan didn't know it, but the moment that Jesus let out his first cry, sin was on the path of of being paid for. Of being gone. And death would lose its sting. See, today we celebrate the day that the Word became flesh. And this Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And those like John before us saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we must never lose sight of why all this happened. Because the good news of the gospel is any who would receive Jesus, to him he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe. See, this word who became flesh is undoubtedly, unmistakably, and quite obviously the man we know as Jesus. And Jesus' own followers say in the book of Acts that there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So my question and my challenge for you this Christmas morning, as you've sang the songs, as you've celebrated, opened presents, 
maybe already had a meal or certainly going on to more festivities and fun. As you look at the nativity scenes as they are set up in the different houses or, or as you maybe hear the Christmas story in some other way today, whether it's coming from Lioness and a Charlie Brown Christmas or somewhere else, do you know why Jesus came? Do you believe that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? Have you received Him, believing in His name? Are you a child of God? If you don't know the answer to that question, that I would challenge you to tarry after our service this morning and allow myself or one of our deacons or someone maybe that you came with to, to really explain to you what it means to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to receive Him and to believe in His name. So that you may go forth from here to whatever, whatever festivities you have yet planned for today. As a child of God. And one who can also say, that you saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father. Let us pray.